Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places where you can find Texas Longhorn content. You can find Kyle and I. You can also connect with us on social media. We are at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the Longhorn Republic on Facebook. And as always, shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week. Like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who needs to tell me that email is not technically social media. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, You caught me off guard. I don't actually know that reference. Um, It's not a reference at all. It's just a weird thing that I thought of as I was saying our intro. Perfect. Okay. Because, you know, I'm (laughs) I'm a little busy these days. And there are pop culture stories that get past me. That's how I know I'm, I'm getting old. Um, probably, you know, could have been something on the TikTok. Uh, who knows? Um, but either, either way, um, I, I, I do know, um, that, uh, emails are not, um, outside of the purview of the freedom of information, uh, act. So, so folks just remember anything you put in writing, um, friendly service announcement, they can find it. They, they could pull that up. And, and, and show it to you later. It's, don't do that. Kyle, I had two crystallizing moments this week about how old I am. One, my doctor told me to get on a multivitamin, so I'm that number of years old. Uh, <laughs> and also, you um, when you stop picking the peppers and onions out of the fajitas, that's when you really know you've reached full adulthood. So I definitely have reached a couple of those milestones already. But we're not here to talk about weird ways that I measure my uh, my rapidly advancing age. It's a big week, Kyle, for Texas basketball. The NIT championship is being honored in the rafters. Tristan Thompson hitting his first career three-pointer. Jackson Hayes swatting Steph Curry into the fourth or fifth row. Somebody went home with a souvenir. It's time for our basketball preview. Normally on Thursdays, we would do our... uh, our Saturday preview, but Texas has, thankfully, a bye week, so they can't find an embarrassing thing to do this week. So we'll talk about the Texas basketball team coming off of what can only be described as a mixed results year. They had some ups, they had some downs. Uh, Jackson Hayes turned into a big story, but Texas couldn't really do much with it. Uh, they had inconsistent play from stars. Andrew Jones was not back to full strength yet, and so... They ended up as the 65th or 66th best team in the country winning the NIT tournament, which is a redundant thing to say, but I said it already, whatever. So we're going to preview the 2019-2020 Texas basketball team, who is going to look a little bit different than they have in recent years, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, here's what I'll say, right? So you have to take 2018-2019 for what it is. As as I mentioned on Tuesday, it's in the rafters. It's forever memorialized. They were the 69th best team in the country. Nice. They they you know were the national invitational champions of 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 the nation. Right. Take that. Take a 21 and 16 record. Take an 8 and 10 record in conference. Um, and throw it all out. Right. They, 
there's a lot of people who are on that team who aren't on this team, as is the nature of basketball, but especially for the Horns, um, losing Dylan Osikowski, losing Snoop Roach, losing Eli Mitrugu Long, um, losing Coach Darren Horn, the most wonderfully named assistant coach in all of the land, losing uh, Jay Lucas, right? So a lot of change coming in this year, but a lot of returning talent who we know what they are and know what their floor is. What we will find out this year is what the ceiling can be. Um, and that, that, that isn't just for the players. That's for the coach. I think for Shaka smart, he's a champion that's known. Now, what do you do with that? What do you do um, with, with a different team than you've had in the past? We're going to talk about some things when we go through and break down a little bit. Um, but you have, you know, your big recruit, you have, um, some some players who have uh, all conference caliber. Um, how you put it all together? What happens this year, um, and 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 where do they ultimately finish, both in the Big Twelve and in the greater scheme of things? I think we'll get to predictions. I think a little bit, but it, but I think on this journey, listeners, as you listen to us, uh, think in your mind right here. Start think back to your darkest thoughts of last year before we entered the NIT. How sad that was. Before the joy that that brought. And know that it gets better. Spoiler alert, it's going to be better than it was last year. Here's hoping. So Shaka is in his uh, his fifth year. Yep. And and thankfully for Shaka, the football team is struggling a little right now. So maybe that'll ease some of the pressure on the team. But again, I, I really... Last year just felt like a weird year, and so I want to see what Shaka can do when he knows what he's going to get from his big guys and when he knows what he's going to get from his key contributors. And I think uh, for the first time in in recent history, probably the first time under Shaka Smart, at least in the last three, four seasons, right? Texas is going to be led, he's going to be a guard-led team rather than a young big man-led team. And I think that can has to be where we start and can only be a sign of, of positive change for uh, for this team. Yeah, I think I think you look at this team and, and and it's it's a complete paradigm shift because they're they're led like you said by the strength of their guard play. And I was trying to think when the last time that actually um, happened was, and I, and I, I don't know if if there there's someone I'm overlooking. Feel free to hit us up in the replies of Texas if I am. But but my mind immediately goes to um, the greatest like guard as your as your as your war, your workhorse your your you know your champion that you send out in your one-on-one battle. Uh, the guy who comes to mind for me is Jacoven Brown, right? So um, if we get back to any of these dudes, and I have a candidate, looking like like the dude, just the, the pride of Port Arthur, Texas, one of the baddest dudes in Texas basketball history, if we have guards leading this team like that, then I, then I like a lot where this team can go. But it's going to take, for the little guys to be the big guys, it's going to take some heart. And this year, I think the team starts with and goes probably as far as uh, his development goes sophomore Courtney Ramey. For me, when you look at this team and when you start in the backcourt, that is the guy that everyone should be watching. That's the guy um, that will show how the rest of the chips um, kind of fall around him, right? And and so here's my thought: is is you know, you're like I said, replacing Long, who, who played some minutes, but is not the worst loss, but you're also replacing Kerwin Roach, who's one of your highest usage guys, the guys that could play defense. Uh, if he was healthy, he was on the court, you know, the most minutes on the team, um, just, just was a, you know, was an integral part of that last year. You're basically taking, um, any guard combination with him on it and you're putting Ramey 
and probably Coleman and, and Febres in my mind as, as your your starters. Um, and you you start it right there. And 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 I think, like I said, someone has to step up and and emulate the production and the usage of Kerwin Roach. Eventually, someone has to take the shots. But I feel like this group is better suited for Neil Barry's offense, right? Multiple guards, people bringing the ball up, different looks, getting into the offense, more shooters. I think this backcourt is more suited to that. For me, I think you're right about what Ramey brings to the offense. I think Matt Coleman will continue to develop as kind of your floor general. And I think Ramey will probably get a lot of the volume. But a guy that I think a lot of this can hinge on, and you heard me talk about him before, like Jace Febris, depending on which Jace Febris we get, mm. that, that offense, because when he's out there and he can knock down the open three, this offense looks kind of unstoppable. Like there were games where he was like seven of nine. Like, I remember that Kansas State game from last year where he was just, like, just draining them. And the the Texas offense looked really, really good. But then he would have, like, a 5 of 15, right? And an 0 for 5. And so, I think Courtney Ramey – or not – well, Courtney Ramey's ability to to kind of be a – I think he's going to be the attack the basket guy. I think Matt Coleman will will continue to – grow and develop as your, as your true kind of more pure point guard distributor. Um, and then again, Febris being able to knock down an open jumper will open up this offense. And I think that was a difference in a lot of contests last year was Texas was getting a ton of open looks, but could not knock them down. And when they did, those were the games that they won. And like, it seems like a really like that's the lowest hanging fruit, lowest common denominator, but sometimes it's just the basic, simple stuff that wins your basketball games. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really great way to put it because I think the basic simple stuff is what is what makes this team take the next step. Right. So if you can put four shooters out on the floor and a big man, and you're able to convert every one of those guys can shoot something like 33, 35, 37 let's say from the three that's the way you win in today's you know basketball you give spacing you let your guys and you make those shots there was simple things that we didn't always seem to do and I'm not saying the offense was terrible last year I think um you know it let the team down sometimes the defense when they were good was let down by they would go eight nine minutes of dry you know cold spells where they couldn't find a way to get a basket I think um I, I think hopefully this year you get a more balanced attack and that's what propels but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the defense um when we talk about some of the coaching changes but i mean i think just off from the outset that's going to be a significantly improved unit and since we're talking about the front court i think again a lot of that starts with your two guards that you talked about you know uh, ramey and coleman and i think last year ramey especially towards the end of the year was tasked with guarding the best guard on the team like they said Ramey, you go lock him down. And then that almost propelled him in the competitive nature he has to p- play better on both sides of the ball. Um, but uh, he could be in, in Coach Yak's system, which, again, we'll talk about in a little bit, um, potentially elite, right? You take a guy who's already guarded, who feels good and confident, and is going to really, really get coached up on that end. And it, I feel pretty good about him coming in and stopping some of the guards in the Big 12. And, and, and let's not forget, like I said, playing in Big 12 play where some other pieces of of, um, of the defense really broke down and, and also the offense, um, he shot 40% from deep in Big 12 play. If you take that with Febris, who averaged 38 or so, um, across the season um, on six and a half attempts, you have a pretty lethal kickout group. And we'll talk about the big guys. If any one of them can add 
another weapon to shoot, then all of a sudden offenses can't clog the paint, which last year that was our problem. We couldn't get the proper spacing. We had Jackson Hayes, who was really elite, but the guy just, you know, he shot 80% because he, he dunked or laid it up, which he was real good at. He was great in the pick and roll role. Um, but again, we, we don't have that guy, and so our offense will look different. And hopefully three points are more than two points. If you make them pretty consistently, that leads to the, the modern offensive revolution we've seen all over NBA college everywhere coming home to Texas. Now, Kyle, you said that you're not a math guy, but I think you did a really good job on on identifying that three points is indeed more than two points. Um, and and it's just I, I can't I cannot say any other way like if this team plays up to its level of talent, this could be a pretty solid year. I won't, I won't say they're going to win a conference. Cause again, we still play in a conference with Kansas and we still play in a conference with Chris Beard at Texas tech, but it could really be a, um, it could be a big special year and something that else would be special. That would be special for this year is uh, getting Andrew Jones back on the court. Now he does, without any waivers and, and red shirts and things like that, uh, would still have a, a season of eligibility left if my, I'm doing my math right. Uh, but Texas sports currently lists him as a red shirt sophomore. Cause there's, there's some, some medical hardship waivers, medical red shirt things. Um, you, you've got to wait until your eligibility is up to get those things. But as a, in his first year before he got sick, dude was looking like a lottery pick and then he got sick. And so what does he add to the rotation now that uh, his cancer seems to be fully in remission and he's going to be able to, at least from what Shaka Smart said, fully participate this year? Yeah, and, and I'm so curious, right, because it, it, we've talked a lot about it and how crazy of a story that was. If, if that doesn't happen, he's, he's not on campus anymore. He's in the NBA. Um, he, he's a player who was explosive to go along with a really sweet touch. And even if he loses a, a step of that explosiveness as he basically re- rebuilt his body, he doesn't lose his sweet shooting stroke. And I think, you know, he may have it all. He may. I, I'm very curious to see. Um, but he, he can be a guy. We talked about the three starters. He could be a guy who comes in and is your second ball handler. If you take both of those guards we mentioned out, he could be, you know, your Febris basically come in and be your three-point shooter. He could be, I like to think of it as like your Manu Ginobili, basically just your guy who comes in and really invigorates the next unit, takes advantage of different rotations for the other uh, team's defense, can kind of do it all, jack of all trades, initiate the offense, get his own shot, get other people their shot, um, or, or spot up and receive the ball um, and, and get that shot in. So I think... Again, it's very exciting. And just based on, you know, anecdotal, there was a closed-door scrimmage, but, again, they kept stats. Um, They had a 92-76 win over UTSA. He had 20 points in 21 minutes. So what that tells me is he may not be the guy who's playing, you know, every minute of every game. He may not have that stamina quite like he um, would have otherwise. But if you can do 20 points in 21 minutes, that is hyper-efficiency and and fantastic news. So I think – Best case scenario, you're looking at, you know, the sixth man of the year. They don't have that award in college, but a Jamal Crawford, Manu Ginobili type, or even by the end of the season, he's one of your starters because you can't keep him off the court if he's all the way back to his former self. And for those of you keeping score at home, that's two Manu Ginobili references in four minutes for Kyle. So (laughs) we do have to move to the men down low, the front court. Uh, There's a lot of talent but for the first time in the force, again, since kind of shock smart has been on campus, there's 
at least not an apparent lottery pick there that's going to be leaving after a year. Jackson Hayes, even last year, maybe wasn't an apparent lottery pick going into the season, but turned out to be one. I got Jericho Sims, who's back for, had a bit of a sophomore slump last year um, after having a really good freshman campaign. Kamaka Hepa, your kind of stretch big man, a five-star freshman from Austin, Will Baker, Gerald Liddell, best name on the team, uh, Kai Jones and Royce Ham. Uh, there's a lot of depth. This feels a lot like I've got to make a football reference. Uh, what the defensive backfield should have been going into the start of this season. Uh, a lot of young talent, but not a lot of uh, miles and tread, or not a lot of miles on the tires. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great way to put it. I mean, I think the fact that Jericho Sims is a junior may be a little bit misleading because there's been he's really been three different freshmen or two at this point coming in. Um, he's played two wildly different seasons. I think with his freshman year, you saw okay, this is what he can do. He has he's unrefined, but he has this explosive potential. Really, everyone thought he would be the role that Jackson Haynes ended up playing, but um, just a guy who can jump out of the gym, that he can do this, and then um, sophomore kind of regressed until the NIT. And if that version, um, the same way that we want Febres to be that version of himself, the same way we'll talk about a couple other guys who kind of found their stride playing there, but if that version comes of Jericho Sims, um, then you have a willing screener, a guy who's, you know, looks like he should be a pretty good shooter because he's, he's, his free throw numbers are pretty good, so may have a little bit more range than what Hayes has is just a pure pick and roll roll to the basket guy could have a little pick and pop um and and just a guy who still is the best athlete the greatest jumper at least in the big 12 if not all of college basketball and sh- if he can hone that into rebounds um again they have to replace dylan osikowski's really impressive offensive rebounding rate um and so if that's if that's what he focuses on i think again empowering those other guys around him as shooters helps there are some things he needs to do hopefully they're working on a post game because he's got moves, but he's predictable. He sh- he knows what he's going. As soon as he gets the ball, he has it in his head. He's not reacting. He's he's running a script. And then I think once he starts to feel the defense on him and develop a post game, if he does, um, then he could really really be a threat down low. Especially you know if they if they are crashing that and it opens up uh, shooters. So I think. Jericho Sims, when you talk about the front court, is is equally as important to me as how Courtney Ramey ends up developing for the uh, excuse me, yeah, for the backcourt. So uh, those those are my two key guys for this season and how they take the next step. Yeah, and I think the the guy that I have my eye on is Kamaka Hepa. He was a guy that you and I were really high on coming in uh, because he is. And I love the way you put it in the in our show notes. He's like the three and D guy, right? Like he hits threes and he plays defense. And I think that could be an interesting combination for Texas, um, which would allow the offense to spread a little bit more with a um he's not quite seven foot, but he's a big man, right? He's he's seven. like a couple inches shy, right? And six like, nine, so, six ten. Yeah. Yeah, so he's pushing it. So you you get a big body on the floor that can also shoot. And you see, and this is a terrible comparison, but like what guys like Dirk Nowitzki are able to do when you get a big man that could put a body on somebody down low, but also take a couple of steps back and shoot and make you stretch your defense a little bit. It opens up things uh, underneath because you take a big body out of the painted area. So when you do have guys, like you just mentioned, uh, Courtney Ramey attacking the basket, there may be one less big guy down low. So there's a lot that I think HEPA could definitely bring. And again, he's a very... 
He's a very aggressive, very willing defensive player, which you always love a guy who's just willing to play defense and loves to play defense. Um, and he's he's a guy with a personality that I think could turn into a leader on this team. So I'm interested to see what his sophomore development looks like. Yeah, he's, he's you put it well. He's, he's very willing. You can't coach effort, right? He's very um, willing and he's very vocal. The thing that I like about his defense is he's the guy who's out there calling, watching screens, watch this, or running this. Hey, you need to shade here. Like he's the guy who's calling things and he's, he can be a floor general. So if he's going to be in your starting five, again, we talked about the three um, in, in the front court. And then if it's going to be Sims and Hepa, I like him being the quarterback out there kind of calling things out. I think Sims will probably be your rim protector, which isn't necessarily a strength of HEPA. That's why I hesitate to put him as like kind of the Brook Lopez comparison, the the big guy who can who can rain threes on one end and then protect the rim at the other. That's not his game. But he has pretty good feet. Um, he's active. He's, you know, always scanning and watching, doesn't often get caught looking, um, and, and is, is, is vocal. So I think that can especially we're still gonna talk about it in a moment, but um, Coach Coach Yaklich, I think is salivating at a guy like that. So um, I think HEPA is a great chance. And I think the next guy on the list here is, is a, is a crazy ceiling floor player who could be an even better version of HEPA, depending how he, he progresses. But again, he's a freshman. And I'm of course talking about Will Baker, the hometown hero, five-star top 30 recruit out of Austin here at local Westlake is a true seven footer. And with true shooting range, I think HEPA's, um, shooting was intermittent last year. Baker in high school was a truly elite three-point shooter. He's he's LaMarcus Aldridge, except he goes all the way out to the three-point line. So Will Baker is a guy I'm very, very excited for. If he can get in the right shape, could be your, you know, I guess second, because we're going to obviously say we're hoping Andrew Jones is the first guy off the bench, um, but your second guy off the bench um, and, and play some really, really impactful minutes as as the next in the line of big time longhorn recruits uh, at the you know the big men absolutely and so we you mentioned coach yakulich and what he brings to texas and i think you we've got to really talk about the coaching changes in the offseason because uh yakulich obviously is a uh, defensive mind, and then they brought in uh, Andrea Huddy, who was a huge coup for Texas uh, in the strength and conditioning world. She's been at Kansas for 15 years. Uh, she worked for you know Gene R.E.M. and Jim Calhoun at U- UConn before that. So like the the staffing that that Shaka is doing and putting around these players, I think hopefully will help him improve over on what has been. You know, to put it as plainly as I can, kind of a 500 career, right? He's been exceedingly average uh, at Texas. And so I think that like bringing, bringing and adding to his staff in, in ways like this is what's going to help get him over that hump. Yeah. I mean, so, so the, the numbers are crazy on Yaklis. He, he, he was, you know, he came from Michigan. Uh, there was a lot of thought that he was going to take over a really loaded Michigan program coach beeline and really turn them into like a truly one of the elite programs the past couple of years in the country. But, but while, while John uh, beeline was one of the top offensive minds in basketball to what got him the Cavs job. His defenses were in the 90s, 89th, 100, 92, 69th before Yaklage, um got there in two seasons at Michigan, third and second. Um, so, I mean, it's a marked improvement, and I don't think it's a coincidence. When people talk about great defensive coaches, the names they talk about are Mark Adams, Texas Tech. Look at what Texas Tech has done since Beard and Adams. 
got to Tech, and they've turned them into a perennial Elite Eight caliber team. That's incredible. Yaklich is the other guy, and they, those were the number one and number two in defensive efficiency last year. The, the interesting thing with Yak, it's not like you know he has this this you know gadget package that he runs that no one else runs. He really, actually, if anything, is a bit more old school. Um, he he isn't a switcher, isn't isn't running uh, a ton over screen, sending help defenders, sends late if at all. Um, he he plays straight up man, which helps when you have good defenders, which we'll see how good Texas is. Um, but he really is an adherent to you know stay in front of your guy and take them to what he calls kill boxes, um, the the kind of short corners, the spots that aren't that are low efficiency, low percentage, give contested shots, push the defense, or excuse me, push the offense to the kill boxes, contest the shot, then get the rebound. And he did that to great effect. Like I said, the number two most efficient defense. And just the way that he is an adherent gospel almost to footwork, technique, being in your, you know, covering your man, being in your position, not leaving shooters so that, you know, the three, as we said, is worth more than two. Texas last year was giving up something like 38% on opponent three-point percentage in Big 12 play. That'll kill you every time. Um, staying on shooters, staying home, it's what Krzyzewski really preaches. Um, let them, let them you know, beat you. If you, if you. if you give them open threes, you're going to get beat much quicker. So I really, really like what he brings, the the attention to detail, the technique. I think there's a chance that you see Texas all of a sudden with the likes of Ramey, um, you have you have the caliber there. With Sims, you have the caliber there. Uh, Coleman, we'll see. I think Febres, there's he could be his assignment basketball can be okay. Probably not ever elite, um, but but then where where Texas you know fills out, I think depending. They could be somewhere in in the range of a top twenty uh, defense, you know, and, and and potentially top or top two in the Big Twelve this season. So I think there's that big of a shift if everything they say about Yak is as good and his track record proves it. But he can bring that to the forty acres if they can improve in in just a few spots defensively, because there were some spots last year where they definitely needed to, um, you know, there were there were some weird. Like, weird is the only way I can describe some of the late defensive breakdowns Texas had, right? Because that was like, just they looked like, oh, the game is going fine, the game is going fine, and then the wheels just fell off in like three or four minutes toward the end of the game. And so um, being able to to continue that, and some of that may come down to Hootie, who I mentioned, uh, and the strength and conditioning role, kind of getting them to a point and seeing the way that, that their conditioning changes. But I think, Kyle, this is the point where we have to kind of try to put a point on it a little bit. So... Shaka's fifth year. Mm-hmm. He's been basically exceedingly average throughout his tenure. There's no two ways to say that. So what are your expectations for Shaka and for this team? And what would you what would it take for you to consider this season successful? I think a lot of preseason folks are are, are really high on a couple other big twelve teams. Obviously Texas Tech. Kansas, the streak of them winning the conference was snapped, but a lot of people say they'll come right back up. A lot of people are very high on Baylor, like top 10 high on Baylor. So there's talent in the Big 12. So it's hard to say they have to be third in the Big 12 or they have to be whatever. But I think finishing in the top half of the Big 12, a team, a conference that's going to put probably eight you know, teams in the tournament, being in the top half of the Big 12 um, is expected. I think five or better. 
they have to make the tournament this season. I think success is making the tournament. I think success is hopefully with the talent they have, the coaching they have, um, with kind of basically an offensive and defensive coordinator mentality um, in, in the promise that, that Shaka Smart, you know, uh, brings. With all of that summed up, that that equation somehow equals something like, you know, if they don't have a number next to their name, right now in Ken Palm's preseason, they're number 32. I think they should finish around there or higher. Again, if they can finish in the top 25, somewhere in the 20 to 25 region, that's a fantastic year. If that's over Oklahoma, even better. Um, but I, I think uh, I think they have to make the tournament. I think getting to the second round would do a lot of things um, or go a long way to make people feel more confident uh, about Coach Smart um, and, and what this team can do. And like I said, I think if, 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 if the, the yak attack is as, as you know amazing as it has been advertised, then there's a chance that these these are low expectations. I, I'm not going to sit here and say Texas is a top 25 team. I would like them to be, but they should be a top 40 team. They should be a top maybe 30 team. They should be in the conversation. They should be a, you know, a six seed uh, in that range in the tournament. I think that's fair. I think Shaka's best year was his first year, uh, finished fourth in the conference, um, made an appearance in the NCAA tournament, but they did not stay uh, very long. They lost on a late three, I think it to Northern Iowa, which was just a, it's a heartbreaker for, for a team that, um, yeah, had a lot of potential, could have made a little bit of a run. So I think it's fair to say that Texas finishing, I think four, third or four, fourth or fifth in the conference seems like a fair expectation. Um, last year, somehow, I guess they front loaded and won a lot of non-conference games. Texas finished with 21 regular season or season wins. So a lot of that was front loaded. They won a few, and then they obviously had the deep run in the NIT. That was really helpful uh, for them. So, Again, I think something in the range of top, again, top half of the Big Twelve, and I, I, I want to, I don't want to see them just make the tournament. I need them to win a game. It's like don't just go to the dance, but at least stay for a song. And I think that for me, win one game, show some improvement. Because again, Texas is not a basketball school, and I don't expect Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight runs every year. That's not a fair expectation when eight people show up to the Frank Irwin center, uh, but winning a game in the tournament is. And so I think again, finishing the top half of the conference, beating a team that you should win in the first round, uh, that's should be out talented by you. Uh, that's give me around a 32. And I feel like this is a successful year. Uh, that's, that's fair. I like that. And basically what you described was what, you know, Rick Barnes did and got fired for. So let's at least get back to where your predecessor left the program. Um, and that's no jabs at anyone. We, we want to be better and we expect that. So let's set a baseline, get back to there and then build on it. The other thing is remember the Frank Irwin center isn't going to be here forever. There's going to be a new stadium. So let's, you know, he's the Lord. <laughs> let's take advantage of it though. This is a, a place that, you know, um, it, it basically had a, a couple magic moments. It had a couple really special players come through. Um, and, you know, you look at the, you look at the, the, this, the roster and, you know, they don't really have any huge marquee games at home at the, in the beginning half. So I look to, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas state and Kansas, when we get into conference, all being at home, they play LSU at home in the big 12 sec championship. So let's get another signature win or two, at 
the Irwin Center. Baylor's at you know at home in that uh, matchup, that first matchup. So I think um, I think getting a signature win at home will do a lot. They play A and M in Fort Worth. They play Purdue, who's Ken Palm's number seven team um, in in uh, West Lafayette. So there's there's not a ton of chances they play in the the tournament in New York. Uh, so they could play Duke, but it'll be in New York City. They play Georgetown, but again in New York City. So there's there's I, I want a signature win this year. I want a big whether it's Kansas, whether it's uh, whoever. They played pretty well at home last year, but let's let's pack the Irwin Center for one of these big games and then have the team live up to it and uh, and and be like the Texas of of some of our yesteryear who who uh, who love someone to come into our house. All right, so let's move now into all things burnt orange all around the greater sports sphere. Uh, we will go into burnt orange lenses, everyone's uh, favorite, favorite uh, segment. I don't know if it's your favorite segment. We have great segments on here, it's hard to say, but a great one. Um, and we will we will start it with basketball, Longhorn-related basketball, believe it or not, this basketball-heavy podcast. But uh, this will be our last one here, but it has to do with the next level. Kerwin Roach, we talked about him in our preview, Snoop himself, was selected number 22 overall. In the G League draft, um, which is still something, um, he joins the uh, Westchester Knickerbockers. Joe, what do you, you got? Any thoughts on that? Um, I've been to Westchester. It's a nice, nice place. Yeah, very, very nice area. Well, that's good. I hope for Snoopy. You know, finds a nice lady, settles down, gets a nice house. Maybe you know, commutes into the city to have a you know a banking job or something. You know, or he could keep it going, kill it in the G League, and play for the New York Knicks. The worst franchise and worst run franchise, maybe in sports, but at least in the NBA. Good God, I, I don't. I'm wish a Dolphins that. fan. They're not worse than the Dolphins. That's fair. That's fair. We'll see when the NBA season really rolls. Who's the worst? But you're right. That's okay. I'll give you that. And moving out of the basketball sphere onto the gridiron, the major college football game this past week that everyone was talking about the only one you need to watch the big 12 showdown um that featured a you know blue blood versus a team in purple the only one you need to talk about to your friends obviously university of oklahoma lost to kansas state and gerald that's great in its own self hilarious that it came down to an onside kick that they touched sooner than was allowed um but the best factoid of this is that in 1993, the last time the Sooner Scooter flipped, the next week OU lost to a certain opponent. Do you know who that opponent was? Was it the Kansas State Wildcats? It was Bill Snyder at that point in his in his you know uh, original windbreaker. At that point, he had a, a 1972 windbreaker on because he likes to keep about 20 years vintage. But yes, Kansas State. If you flip the Sooner Schooner and then you play Kansas State. Based on all of my research, you will lose that game, OU. So, yeah, it was destined. I like seeing it. Any any destiny that involves OU losing is, is a big week for me. Anytime being a sooner or touching something sooner than you're allowed leads to your downfall. I love it. It's right there in the name. Also, in the name, College Game Day. It was at UT earlier this year. We love it. Uh, it's going to be following a former Longhorn to Memphis. That's right, the 8-0 fighting Dallas um methodist methodist universities um i love their dallas uniforms but the the smu ponies eight and zero behind shane bouchelle's beautiful arm uh are traveling to memphis and college game day will be there 
to meet him. Gerald, how how psyched are you for for Shane getting a getting a game day? Only way that this isn't perfect is that they're playing a team from outside the state of Texas, so they won't be wearing the Dallas uniforms. That's the only mm. only thing that keeps this from being absolutely perfect. Because those Dallas uniforms, especially the all whites, Kyle. I almost bought SMU gear over the weekend. Like that's how I was feeling. They are they are fresh. It's uh, I believe the kids say the drip, um, something like that. The fit is nice. Who knows? Uh, I'll look for it on the TikTok. But anyways, they did nothing. they did fully avenge Dana Holgerson. Texas got it with a West Virginia win, but then Shane went and finished the job with the kill shot, um, beating the Houston Cougars this week. Um, 34 to 31 also in former longhorn news getting a tight victory the only way he knows how university of north carolina head coach mac brown the plucky upstart who's trying to get the acc you know team to give a little vision maybe he'll get hired by texas um deja vu uh but got a win over historical rival duke 20 to 17 to move to four and four on the season and again all of those games so close great tv the drive for six continues. So they have uh, UVA. They open as a two and a half point favorite because they lead the ACC Coastal. Yes, sir. Kyle, Max doing something. He wants Clemson again. He wants to avenge <laughs> that loss. Do you know how many things would be changed in the college football scape if Max finished that off and they got that two point conversion and they beat Clemson like the butterfly effect is kind of unbelievable and wild. And I would have loved to see it. Um, any of you time travelers, if you can go down that, that not even darkest, that wonderful list of timelines and hit us back in the replies of Texas and let us know uh, how it looks. Cause it, it seems like it's real juicy. I, I really, I want to see it. I want, if I was a, if I was a UNC fan, I would just mass print shirts. We want Clemson. The, uh, the the owners of the state of South Carolina, the University of North Carolina, Tar Heels. Now, in uh, in NFL news, there was some Longhorns uh, going on. And the biggest of, of this week is Quandre the Giant made a move from the Detroit Lions, where he spent uh, his career so far, to Austin North, the Seattle Seahawks. Gerald, do you have anything to say to that? Put up! That's right. There is a Puna Ford on that team who's causing havoc. Pete Carroll sticking with the old adage, if you can't beat him, recruit him to your NFL team. Joining Michael Dixon as well. That I love it. Let's just let's just name them the Seattle Longhorns. Uh, and then somebody buy the team and move them to Oklahoma City to just continually crush uh, the, state, the city of Seattle because that's my favorite thing in the world. Not I just I just like just messing with those guys. Yikes! Well, uh, one person we'll close with this one who has been messing with guys um, in other states and will soon be coming to Texas. I'm not as good with the segues as you are, um, Gerald. We're talking about Bijan Robinson who is just toying toying with defenders in the state of Arizona does not seem fair. Um, we should probably just hurry up and get him on the 40 acres. Cause he is, he's clearly leveled up already from high school football. So Kyle, you're the guy that normally throws the, the trivia out. So the Bijan is about to, to do something real special. So uh, for his career 
in in high school. He has 6,688 yards and 485 carries. Okay. He is a mere, well, he has 1,887 yards, so he's like 113 yards shy of 2,000 yards. Mm. How many carries, Kyle, do you think it took him to get to 1,887 Yards. So you have to think about the limiting factors of this math equation. The field is only 100 yards, so at most he only gets 100 each run. So that, you know, it's more than 18. Um, let's see. Kickoffs, defense, I don't know. Honestly, the stats on the guy are so nuts. I'm going to say 125, 130. 84. Yikes, come on. <laughs> Averaging 22 and a half yards That's stupid. per carry. 235.9 yards per game. If he, he has eight games, eight for eight this year of more than a hundred yards already has matched his junior season touchdown total with 35 touchdowns, Kyle, 35 touchdowns. He, if he hits his average, he needs just five carries, six carries really to get him to 2000 yards in his next game. That's six that's, carries. That's silly. How many carries does he have in there? You said 84, 84, 35 touchdowns on 84 carries. So 42% of his carries just ended him in the end zone. Yeah. The guy's been tackled like 41 times this season. That's nuts. I have never seen a truer representation of the varsity setting on NCAA football right. than I have at B. John Robinson playing varsity football. That's yeah. It's, it's silly. As, as the coaches say, it's tough to do that against air. Well, that's all the time we've got for you on the air this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas pregamer back after a bye week on Twitter at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You will not see me do my usual bye week trolling. The bye week in my anniversary weekend happened to hit on the same weekend. Yes, and amen. So I will not be trolling on Twitter. I will be taking a Saturday off. The kid's going to go with the mother in law. It's going to be great. I might troll a little bit on your behalf, Gerald. I could, I could probably I could work something up. Here's the thing. If if something troll-worthy happens, I could probably sneak away to the bathroom and send a couple of tweets. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Kyle can handle it. I got this, guys. I, I, I think I can do this. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll look at the next four games, what Texas needs to do to finish out this season or what it can look like. And then we'll, uh, we'll preview the weekend matchup against the Kansas state wildcats on Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. NIT title defense starts next week.